welcome to the very first episode of Another Progressive Podcast. I'm the host of this show, Max Deutsch. And if you're listening to this, and for some reason we don't know each other already, uh, to introduce myself, I'm a college senior in CUNY school. I'm a political science and public policy student. So like every politics student ever, I think my opinions are the best and that I am the most right out of everyone else. So I figured if I'm, the, if I'm smarter than everyone else and my opinions are right, I should put them on the internet so everyone can hear in a podcast. Uh, so here we go. Uh, this is going to be a show that does a couple of things, and the two are not mutually exclusive. Um, so in general, it's going to address political issues that I think are interesting and that I don't think get enough attention and don't aren't gone into enough uh, detail on mainstream news shows or other progressive YouTube commentary shows. And a second part in that what this what this episode is going to be doing is looking at the phenomenon of the new right. And the new right is what uh, has been defined kind of as the new the right wing commentators, people like Ben Shapiro, who's their leader, Charlie Kirk, Larry Elder, Candace Owens, Dave Rubin, um, Michael Knowles. The list goes on. And these are the 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 right wing commentators who captured the youth of the conservative party, and they fight the left with facts and logic and statistics and they know what's really going on the, the leftists they're idiots they just talk about feelings and they throw around uh words like racism and trans uh, transphobia and homophobia but they don't know what they're talking about they don't have statistics to back them up but the new right they do they know what they're talking about and i think this phenomenon is really interesting as someone who has for the past four years or so got interested in politics and started learning more and more. I've and have followed kind of obsessively some of these political commentators and realized how wrong they are in a lot of instances and how when they use facts and logic, they're very often misrepresenting data, ignoring data, just outright ignoring it, as we'll see today, uh, or just manipulating data, you know, cherry picking arguments, cherry picking things, and I don't, and other political commentators shows on YouTube, like uh, Majority Report with Sam Cedar, they will give, don't, give like five minutes, 10 minutes to sort of, you know, one specific clip of a commentator, but they don't really go in depth into why the arguments these right-wing commentators are making are wrong. And so I want to do that. I don't think uh, that enough people are doing it because these people are still so popular. So we're going to start uh, with something that's been at the forefront of the national discourse this summer, and that's race. After the murder of George Floyd, racism and systemic racism and racism and policing has been has been the conversation, even I'd argue more than coronavirus at times. So I want to look at the arguments they make when they deny systemic racism and, and specifically policing. I'm not going to talk about systemic racism. I'm going to talk about racism in policing. And... The argument they make, uh, and, and I'm going to start with, I'm going to give a couple examples, is one that I'm, I'm sure everyone has heard, and they all make it many times. So here's Ben Shapiro making this argument at the beginning of the summer. Because if you look at the Washington Post database of how many people in America were black and unarmed and shot by police in 2019, this is the Washington Post database, the answer in 2019 was nine. If you want to talk about the number of black Americans who were shot, who are unarmed, and who are not fleeing from police, the answer is three. Does that sound like the extermination of black people across the country? It does not. Nowhere in this New York Times. All right. Thank you so much for that insight, Ben Shapiro. 
I didn't know any of that. Um, so thank you for, for enlightening me with your facts. Um, the next clip I'm going to show is an interview with Larry Elder and on the Dave, Dave Rubin show, The Rubin Report, from 2017. Well, look, I know a lot of people would say, look what's going on in Chicago. I, I, I know what they would say. Yeah. I'm talking about what the facts are. 965 people were shot by cops last, last year and killed. 4% of them were white cops shooting unarmed blacks. In, in Chicago in 2011, 21 people were shot and killed by cops. Uh, in 2015, there were seven. And this next clip I'm going to play is uh, from Charlie Kirk, the founder of Turning Point USA, and he posted this in the beginning of the summer after George Floyd's murder. And people say, well, the police are killing unarmed black men at record rates. This is a lie, even according to the Washington Post, with a very questionable definition of unarmed black men. Eight unarmed black men died by police officers last year. Eight. So there you have it. There's the argument. Black people, stop complaining about racism. The left, stop complaining about racism. Police racism doesn't exist. And just to hammer down uh, how how close they've stuck to this argument, just last week, two instances of, of, of these commentators making the argument. Michael Knowles, the Daily Wire reporter and the host of the Michael Knowles show, and I believe your show with Ted Cruz, made this argument in a debate with Hassan Piker of the Young Turks. And uh, the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's paper, posted an article written by Matt Walsh titled this. I looked up every case of an unarmed black man shot by cops in 2019. Here's the truth the left is hiding. So this is the argument that I'm sure everyone's heard, whether by one of these commentators or on Fox News or just in Facebook comment sections. And the response from the left is generally uh, giving a sort of broader detail, like, well, look, you have to understand uh, that black people are still being killed at a higher rate than, 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 than they should be, or um, you know, looking at systemic racism as a whole. And those are both totally valid. Um, but they're still a bit, a bit more broad and it just gets, it gets a bit complex. And I want to sort of double down on this specific argument. And the other argument or the response I've, I hear is that, oh, just dumb racist, whatever. Like, you know, you can't, they're just being dumb and racist. You can't argue with that. But I want to, I want to look at, the, at this argument that, that police and that there is no racism in policing because very few black people are killed by police, especially unarmed black people. And so this is why this is it's a flawed argument. Because setting unarmed black people being killed as the defining standard for police brutality is extremely flawed and ignores the broad scope of police actions and police brutality. Um, police do a lot of things. Most are not killing people lethally or fatally. And I want to give an example or a comparison. If we were to look at the lynchings during Jim Crow between 1882 and 1968, we'd find that 3,446 black people were lynched. So now taking the same logic being made by right-wing commentators regarding uh, police killings and police brutality, we could easily make the argument that racism during Jim Crow wasn't a problem. We could say, look, over 80 years and only 3,446 black people were lynched. That's out of the, the tens of millions, maybe even hundreds of millions of black people who lived during that time. That's, that's one not even 1% of black people were lynched. Lynching wasn't a problem. It wasn't this national evil that civil rights advocates made it out to be. And also don't forget, out of all people lynched, 27% of people lynched were white. So this wasn't just a race thing. This was clearly just, there was no other reason for lynching. But no, that's a ridiculous argument. Because lynchings were not where we set the bar for racism. Lynchings were not 
were not what racism was. Lynchings were a byproduct of a racist system. So when looking at police brutality, the same logic applies. We can't just look at fatal shootings and use that to decide whether or not racial discrimination exists within policing. We have to look at the system of policing at, at, all, at all aspects of policing and see how when we understand the way policing works normally, that when a black person is shot by police, it exists in a context, the same way lynching exists in a context, in a racist context. So to begin, to begin dismantling their argument and their denial of, of racist policing, I, I wanna start just by, by using their own standards and looking at the, 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 the data they share and the, their, their evidence to support their proof. So to begin, let's look at a, this is a clip um, from May 28th from the Ben Shapiro show. I found it really by accident. This is kind of a miracle for me to find this. Um, I had been pretty much done researching and I was just trying to find like a quote and I ended up finding this video and then I did a little research and it's really great, the result that I found. So this is a video of the ben Shapiro, from Ben Shapiro on his podcast. There's a study that was published in August of 2019 in the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. And it showed the police are not disproportionately shooting black men. What dictates who gets shot by the police is the rate of violent crime in a community. The more frequently officers encounter violent suspects from any given racial group, the greater the chances that members of that group will be shot by a police officer. So if you are a police officer. All right. So that seems fairly straightforward. He cites a study. Um, the study makes makes an argument about black black crime rates and that uh, you're naturally going to have more police interactions uh, based on based on black crime rates. So I'm, we're going to get to that argument later. But first, I, I, the reason why that that clip I think is, is so great is so I had not heard of that that study when I when I watched that clip. So I thought, oh, okay, that's this is actually a new piece of evidence. I'm going to look it up. So I searched. I Ben didn't say who wrote the article, but he said it was in the Proceedings of the National Natural Academy of Science. So I found the article, and listen to this. I, I click on the article and I saw that there had been a correction and a retraction. So I follow the retraction. And this is what the, the authors of this article that Ben Shapiro cited to, to, uh, to prove that racism and policing doesn't exist was retracted. And listen to why it was retracted. This is a statement from the authors of, of the study that Ben Shapiro cited. Our article estimated the role of officer characteristics in predicting the race of civilians fatally shot by police. A critique pointed out that we had erroneously made statements about racial differences in the probability of being shot, and we issued a correction to rectify the statement. Despite this correction, our work has continued to be cited as providing support for the idea that there are no racial biases in fatal shootings or policing in general. But to be clear, our work does not speak to these issues and should not be used to support such, such statements. So exactly what Ben did, they're saying our article, our study did not say that, which I just think is, is, is hilarious. Um, and, and to Ben's credit, the retraction had not been made when Ben cited it. Ben cited this, this study in, in April or May, and this retraction happened just a couple weeks ago in July. But what did happen is that they did make a correction in their study before Ben, over a month before Ben cited the study. And they said, we want to correct the sentence in our significant statement that has been quoted by others stating, 
white officers are not more likely to shoot minority civilians than non-white officers. And they clarify by saying this sentence should read, as the proportion of white officers in a fatal officer-involved shooting increased, a person fatally shot was not more likely to be of a racial minority. So I say, I'm not going to pretend to understand all the statistics because I, I kind of cut the quote a bit to take all the statistics. But they corrected their statement to, to try and show that they're not making a statement about, about uh, racism and policing. And Ben and his team had a month before citing it to look that up, but they didn't. Because I assume they heard about it in 2019, they copied a quote from it and put it in their, in their book of quotes to use. So, and, and to be clear, like this correction is, if you look at the article now, if you try and find the article, it is, it is right at the top of it. It's not a hard thing to find. The article proceedings of the Natural Academy of Science, right at the top, it says there has been a correction and a retraction. So it's just a lack of research, I think, in my opinion, done by Ben Shapiro. And now the next study that I'm going to talk about is one that's much, much more broadly used by the new right and white, by right-wing commentators. It's a 2016 study by a man named, uh, I believe, Ronald Fryer. And he was, uh, this is a big, a big deal because, oh no, sorry, Roland Fryer, Roland Fryer. This article is a huge deal. It made New York Times headlines because he was a black Harvard economist who did a, a study of 10 cities nationwide and found in his study that police were not just, they were not, not, not that there were no racial, uh, no racial discrimination in police lethal shootings of black people, that there were actually, police were actually less likely to shoot black people than white people. Now this, this made, I mean, the New York Times went about it, a couple articles about it. It made a lot of big headlines because as always one, he was a black economist, a black writer. So they thought, oh, and he, he, he said like, I was not expecting to find this. And it found the perfect ammo for the right to say, look, here's proof. There is no racial discrimination in police shooting. And so just to sort of highlight how often they use it. Uh, when it first came out, PragerU, the conservative media site organization that, uh, posted a video about it. The Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's site, posted a, video, a, a news article, uh, like the, the six most shocking facts from Roland Fryer's study. In 2018, Ben tweeted about it. Um, as of this year, and this is still something, and as of this year, 2020, in uh, May, I believe it was, or early June of 2020, Larry Elder, cited it in, a, in an article he wrote on his website. Dave Rubin, in his book, which was released in April of 2020 this year, also cited the study. And not just them, also Sam Harris, who, and I'm going to play this clip in a minute, I'm going to play a clip of, of Charlie Kirk and Ben also talking about the study. Sam Harris, who, in my opinion, I truly believe on most issues, he's on the left. But when it comes to race, I think he's, he's much more on the right. And in June of this year, he released his two-hour, um, I don't know what to call it, I mean, it's a podcast about race. I mean, it sounded like it could have been made by any of these right-wing commentators. He also made the argument that, you know, in his calm podcast voice that you have to look at the facts. And the left and the SJWs, they're not looking at the facts. And the facts are few Black people are killed. 13% of Popula despite making up 13% of the population, they commit 52% of the crimes. 
And one of the, the facts he brought up was this Roland Fryer study. So we're going to look at this again, using their standard, we're going to look at Roland Fryer's study and the criticisms of the study that the criticisms that all these people using it don't seem to mention, interestingly, that this is never was from the beginning, never was a, a universally trusted study. So let's let's see. I'm now going to play first a clip um, from Charlie Kirk at a some college event he spoke in Turning Point USA, where he where he he cites a study from 2018, so two years ago. A, now, a national analysis done by a black professor at Harvard University, at Harvard University, found zero incidents of racially motivated uh, widespread discrimination in major police forces across the country. It just doesn't. So. As we're going to see in a couple minutes, Charlie Kirk is not very accurate in that statement. But first, let's look at Ben Shapiro citing the Fryer article in the same segment where he cited the retracted article. So here we go. By Roland Fryer, who is a black sociologist who studies crime over at Harvard University. He found that conditional on police interaction, there are no racial differences in officer instigated shootings on either the extensive or intensive margins. After controlling for suspect demographics, officer demographics, encounter characteristics, suspect weapon, and year fixed effects, blacks are 27.4% less likely to be shot by police than relative to non-black and non-Hispanics. Investigating the intensive margin, who shoots first in an encounter with police, or how many bullets were discharged in the endeavor, there are no detectable racial differences, according to Roland Fryer, again, a black professor from Harvard University. So the narrative that black Americans are under threat from police, broadly speaking, across America is just not true. It's not a reality. That does not mean that there are more confrontations between black Americans and police because police are usually in high crime neighborhoods. And unfortunately, there are a lot of high crime neighborhoods that happen to be black. So there you have it. Ben Shapiro totally accurately explained what, ha what Roland Fryer's study found. I'm being facetious. He did not. We'll get to that soon. But first, uh, let's go over his main argument is that, look, Roland Fryer's study shows black people are less likely to be shot by police. And whatever negative interactions you have, that's simply just due to the fact that you're going to have more police encounters in high crime neighborhoods and black communities are often high crime. Uh, so next is Sam Harris's talking about Roland Fryer study. Just for a little clarity, um, I cut around a bit and I sped up Sam Harris by 1.3 times because he's very slow and I didn't want to play four minutes of him. But Roland Fryer, the Harvard economist whose work I once discussed with Glenn Lowry on the podcast, he studied police encounters involving black and white suspects and the use of force. His paper is titled this is from 2016, an empirical analysis of racial differences in police use of force. And Fryer's black, and he went into this research with the expectation that the data would confirm that there's an epidemic of lethal police violence directed against black men, especially. But he didn't find that. However, he did find support for the idea that black people suffer more non-lethal violence at the hands of cops than whites do. So what accounts for this disparity? Racism? Maybe. There are explanations. Well, again, it could be that blacks are less cooperative with the police. And if so, this would be worth understanding. All right, there you have it. Those are the, the arguments or the, the, the analysis given of a prior study. There's a problem, though, outright. And Harris, I'll give him credit. Harris is the only honest commentator who's spoken about prior study in that Harris does 100% mention that Fryer found racial discrimination and non-lethal uses of force. So I want to start with the, with the Charlie Kirk clip I played. When Charlie Kirk says that Fryer's study found 
there was no racial discrimination in police in America, that that racial discrimination in policing does not exist, that he is lying. That is not what Friar's study found. Not at all. Okay, Friar's study found lots of racial discrimination, just not in fatal police shootings. Kurt just doesn't seem to mention that. So remember now Ben Shapiro's argument that, okay, the whatever disparities you find, it's high crime. These black neighborhoods have high crimes. So you're going to have more police there. And Harris, what he just said is that Friar's paper, Friar did find racial disparities in force, but is it racism? Can we attribute the disparities in force Friar finds to racism? Harris says maybe it's racism, but maybe I'm going to. He says maybe it's, I, I think maybe it's resisting arrest. Black people are resisting arrest. And he then spends like 10 minutes, maybe even more, talking about resisting arrest. But there's a problem with, with Ben Shapiro and Sam Harris's assertions. And this is why, where I really find that they're, they're, some of their, their claims to fame of facts and whatever, very dubious. So let me read to you a quote from the abstract of Friar's study. So this is like literally the very first thing you will read, the, the summary of his study. Here we go. On non-lethal uses of force, Blacks and Hispanics are more than 50% more likely to experience some form of force in interactions with police. Adding controls that account for important context and civilian behavior reduces, but cannot fully explain these disparities. So essentially, Friar took a bunch of different factors of things that could happen during an arrest and factored those into finding this, into his calculations and found that, that they don't account for whatever the disparities are. So now take a guess with me, if you can, what some of those controls were. Because I can tell you what they were. I looked it up. One of those controls was, you guessed it, resisting arrest. So Harris asks, oh, Maybe Friar's findings uh, of, dis of racial discrimination were just because of resisting arrest, and it wasn't because of racism, except that Friar in his study says, even with resisting arrest, the racial disparities cannot be explained. And here's a quote from Friar's study that even when officers report civilians have been compliant and no arrest was made, blacks are 21.2% more likely to endure some form of force in an interaction. Now, let's look at Ben's assertion that it's, you know, high crime is just going to, you're going to have more interaction because of high crime neighborhoods. Guess what? Another one or another three of Friar's controls were. One, whether the stop took place in a high crime area. Two, whether it took place during a high crime, high crime time. Or three, whether it took place in a high crime area at a high crime time. So even when high crime is taken into account, it does not explain the racial disparities and police uses of force. And Friar used 112 controls, so 112 different factors, and still black people are black people are discriminated against in police uses of force. Here's just a couple of quotes. Uh, Friar says that on non-lethal uses of force, there are racial differences, sometimes quite large, in police use of force. Even after for controlling for a large set of controls designed to account for important contextuals and behavioral factors at the time of the police-civilian interaction. Blacks, another one, here's another quote. Blacks are 3.5 times more likely to report use of force by police in an interaction in the raw data. Hispanics are 2.7 times more likely. Large racial differences in police use of force that cannot be explained using a large and varied set of controls. All right, so there you go. 
this is why I, I honestly believe that Sam Harrison, Ben Shapiro, and Charlie Kirk, and everyone else who's used it uh, in this manner have not read this, this piece at all. Because if they did, they would see that you have plenty of racial discrimination and police use of force that cannot be explained by any factors. The black crime area is resisting arrest, doing something suspicious. None of those things in- explain the racial disparity uses of force. And the fact is that only, only Sam Harris mentions the, that, those findings. Larry Elder, Ben Shapiro, Dave Rubin, Charlie Kirk, uh, Michael Moles, or that, that I, I believe uh, all of them only focus on the findings regarding lethal shootings. Not one of them mentions the police use of force finding that in every other act of policing, racial disparities exist and black people and Hispanic people, you know, face uh, racial discrimination by police. And when Ben says in his, when Ben's talking about uh, Friar's study and, and he says, broadly speaking, black people are not under threat by police, Fire's article, which he uses to, to, to justify that statement, says the opposite. And the same for the high crime thing and the resisting arrest thing. So they, they, they are simply either, either they, they didn't read the study or they, they read it and are purposely leaving it out. And honestly, I don't know which is worse. But pretty much they, they, are, they are cherry picking this one part of this one study to make their case that racial discrimination does not exist in policing. And again, they only focus on the lethal part because, as I spoke about earlier, they define racism as black people being killed. So if you only focus on the lack of discrimination found in, race, in fatal shootings, then yeah, you can say, look, there's no racism. But what about the, the, the thousands of cases of racial discrimination in all of the uses of force prior found? Why don't they talk about that? All right. So I got a bit here there. I admit, and this is definitely going longer than I thought this podcast was going to go. Um, but there's, I still have a, a bit more to say. No more clips, and we're going to be a bit more straightforward here now. So we've looked at Friar's study, and that this is a study that I've shown they can have consistently used for four years now and are still using. But is Friar's study even that reliable? It's findings to begin with. As soon as it came out, it was criticized. And in 2018... There was an article written uh, in response to it, and not written, or a study done in response to it, in Nature Journal titled, Resolution of Apparent Paradoxes in Race-Specific Frequency and Use of Force by Police. So their main critique of Fryer's methods is that it doesn't address this, this framing here. That if police are biased in stopping black people, that means they're stopping more black people who are not a threat, and therefore lethal force will not be used most of the time. So out of all of the black people stopped, lethal force accused in very few encounters. However, they're only stopping black pe- white people who pose a legitimate threat, and therefore there is a higher chance those encounters will end in a fatal shooting. So it only it appears as if more white people stopped than black people stopped are fatally shot, but it's only because there are so many more black people who stopped than white people, and that disparity suffers because of discrimination. So they look at, they use some different methods and I don't understand all the statistics stuff, I'm not going to pretend to, but they found that using Friar's data, that they found there's most definitely racial bias in the use of lethal, lethal force. It, 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 it's there. So right off the bat, even if you want to say, okay, maybe maybe, Fry, maybe they're wrong or Friar's right, there's, it's, it's at least a debate. It's a debate that's existed for two years now in, in the 
three or four instances I found of Friar's study being used this past year, none of them mention it. And again, in 2019, the second study written in response to Friar from the American Political Science Review titled Administrative Records Masked Racial, Racially Biased Policing, the authors criticized Friar's sample size, his, his source of data, his methods, his entire process. So they took Friar's data, they replicated it, they extended it, and they corrected his study. And their findings were that in reality, in regards to non-lethal force, they didn't talk about lethal force, that Friar actually lowballed it, and that the rates of discrimination are much higher than he found. One ex example of this they show is that Friar's calculations found 75,000 instances in which police laid hands on Black and Hispanic civilians but would not have done so had those individuals been white. Our bias corrected estimate shows that the true number is approximately 307,000, meaning the naive approach, meaning Friar's approach, masked 232,000 incidents. Okay, so I've made now the case around the discrimination in fatal police shootings and discrimination in non-lethal force, but let's push forward. Let's, let, let's really break down the argument because, okay, let's say Friar's, Friar's article's wrong. It doesn't change the fact that Black people make up 13% of the population, but 52% of the crime, and that you're going to have excessive policing used in black in high crime neighborhoods, and those have to be black communities often. That's just like the natural order of things that's going to happen. Uh, so, but before, besides going into the sort of systemic racism aspect of why black communities have more crime, and we have to look at that. That's totally true, but I want to focus on policing. So this idea that that crime rates explain or justify uh, police uses of force and whatever happens in these neighborhoods is again just not not really accurate if you look at if you look at the data and the evidence. In 2016, the Center for Policing Equity released a report titled "The Science of Justice: Race Arrest and Police Use of Force." Race arrest and police use of force. And they analyzed crime rates and arrest data and police force data from 12 different departments nationwide, and they concluded that. Racially disparate crime rate is an, is an insufficient explanation of racially disparate uses of force. Like, there you go. Data right there that shows that crime rates don't explain it. The U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, which is a nonpartisan federal agency, came to the same conclusion in their 2018 report to the Trump administration. They found that levels of crime in minority neighborhoods does not justify the excessive policing and the use of force in these communities. There is not an equal correlation between crime and policing and police use of force. So when people justify the use of force with black neighborhoods criminality, the report argues back stating that the dominant narrative has been that this happens to African-Americans because they are arrested in disproportionate numbers. But the data really makes it difficult to say that crime is the primary driver of this in every single category. And remember, this is what Fryer found too. The anti-black disparity persists in some relying upon arrest data alone to understand use of force data likely underestimates the level of bias that may exist in police use of force. And they found, this commission found that this tendency for white people to uh, just blame black crime and talk about how bad black crime is, is uh, sociologically uh, been proven that they overestimate. They think they overestimate. They found a study which, which, which uh, says that white Americans overestimate the portion of crime committed by people of color and associate people of color with criminality. In one survey, they overestimated the actual share of burglaries, illegal drug sales, and juvenile crime committed by African-Americans by 20 to 30 percent. So when we talk about, oh, but black crime rates and this, very often we're, we're, we're talking, this is a narrative, a talking point that we hear, but is not based in reality and does not explain uh, police brutality. And I don't want to go 
I, again, I know this is over time, much longer than I thought it was going to be, but I want to go to some, some specific examples. So I'm going to start sort of where, where the discussion of race began in the, the modern, the modern era. And that's 2014, 2015, after the murder of Michael Brown by a police officer in Ferguson, Missouri. And this is when a lot of data really, and researchers started analyzing police data. So a lot of police data is, is inaccurate and inadequate simply because until 2015, no one was really looking at it or, or, or you know, asking police forces to keep track of it so much. So the Justice Department did a report to, to look at Ferguson, Missouri, and they found that African-Americans African -Americans experience disparate impact in virtually all aspects of law enforcement. That despite making up 67% of the population, they accounted for 80% of traffic stops, 90% of citations, 93% of arrests, and 96% of police stops. Yet contrary to the talking points of the right, the report specifically states that our investigation indicates that, the, that this disproportionate burden on African-Americans cannot be explained by any difference in the rate at which people of different races violate the law. There you have it. Crime rates black, black people committing more crime does not explain racial disparity and put, or does not justify use of force. It just doesn't. And they also found many instances of racism within, within the police force, explicit racism. But okay, then maybe that's one city. What are you gonna do about it? Okay, that's one racist, you know, one racist police department. So let's look at some other cities, some other examples. Uh, I wanna focus now on New York City stop and frisk. And part of the argument I make here is not my own. This is, I actually got it from my, from my dad. He made this argument. So thanks to him for giving this to me. So in 2011, according to the uh, New York ACLU, at the height of stop and frisk, the NYPD made 685,724 stops. They found 780 guns. So less than 1% of stops in the year were found to be carrying contraband. Now, the major overall majority of these were black and Latino people being stopped. Yet over 90% of stops found nothing. And those that did find things was mainly just pop. Like we all can agree that that you know finding weed should not be or the suspicion of weed should not be justification for being stopped by police. So think about just just think about this. I'm sorry. Why don't we focus on the statistic that 13% of the population, but they make up 52% of the crime? Why is that what we're focusing on? I think about okay, so stop and frisk, these these disparities in stop and frisk was a constant for all 11 years of stop and frisk. And it, it, it exists in other cities also. So why are we not listening to the statistic that says, oh, over 90% or close to 99% of black people walking down the street are doing nothing wrong? And that they have been unconstitutionally and illegally abused and beaten despite that. And I why why is is black crime rates more important or why we listen to that over that other statistic. There's no reason why one overpowers the other. It's because of a narrative of, of this over pro police. We have to be super pro police, but I don't want to get too much into that. And before you, you say, because I've had this discussion, people are like, well, yeah, stop and frisk was wrong, but like that's one example. Like it's over with. No. Because what was the justification for stop and frisk? The exact same crime facts and statistics being used to justify police brutality today. Now let's look at, at Chicago. 
people think Chicago, they love talking about Chicago because yeah, Chicago has a bad crime problem. And black on black crime there and black crime there is a problem. But that does not necessarily explain police brutality there and the, and the disparities in police and police use of force. According to an article by The Intercept, they analyzed police arrest data and they found that police in Chicago are 14 times more likely to use force against black and brown people. And before talking about, again, well, black neighborhoods have more black crime, they found that the disparity existed even in several neighborhoods where the residents are predominantly white. In one white neighborhood, although African-Americans make up only 1% of the district's population, they comprise 14% of the people who experience police use of force. And then the, the Justice Department also engaged in a, in a report of Chicago and found that the CPD allowed and engaged in racially discriminatory conduct, including excessive use of force. And outside of force, but just discriminatory beha behavior in general, the report found that between 2011 and 2016, there were 356 complaints filed against police officers for calling black people the N-word. And there were 980 complaints filed for other overly racist statements and actions. So this suggests a police department whose actions cannot simply be explained by black crime rates. It's just, it, it, it can't explain everything. Now, another example is in Chicago at Baltimore. The Justice Department also did a report on police force here and they found the, that black people were more likely to be stopped despite being less likely to carry contraband. BPT officers found contraband twice as often when searching white individuals compared to African-Americans during vehicle stops and 50% more often during pedestrian stops. So again, black people committing more of the crime, so that justifies it, no it doesn't. And in fact, the white people were committing crimes more than black people, your black people were being stopped more. And if you wanna look at, okay, well, serious crimes, uh, let's look at um, the disparities in, in, in arrests. In, in let's say just different areas and not, not stops. African-Americans accounted for 91% of the 1,800 people charged solely with failure to obey or trespassing. They were 89% of the 1,350 charges for making a false statement to an officer and 84% of the 6,500 people arrested for disorderly conduct. So those are, again, these are like BS charges that, 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 that are kind of meaningless and totally up to, to the discretion of the officer. And so how, do, how does the Justice Department know that race played a factor in these arrests and that maybe people were just doing wrong things on the street. Because the report states that booking officials and prosecutors declined charges brought against African-Americans at significantly higher rates than charges against other people of other races. Which means that a cop arrests someone for failure to obey, whatever that means, brings them in to the, to the precinct and the booking officer or the prosecutor is like, this is a BS charge, there is no crime committed here, we're not gonna go through with this and leave the person go. So that shows that at higher rates, black people are being arrested for nonsensical reasons. And when you consider that in the context of the police brutality and the racial discrimination, it makes, it's not crazy that those arrests are based on racial discrimination. And again, in Baltimore, black people and white people use drugs at the same rates, but drug arrests are much more higher for black people. Two more studies and then we're done. All right, so first, Newark, the Dust Department's report on Newark and that 80% of stops were black people, despite the fact that they make up 59% of the population. And again, in contradiction to the argument that, well, black neighborhoods are gonna be more pleased because they have higher crime, the report found that the disparity was constant in neighborhoods with a small population of black residents. It found that the NPD engages in a pattern of making stops in violation of the Fourth Amendment 
and that numerous black residents bear the brunt of the NPD's pattern of unconstitutional policing. NPD officers use the conclusory phrase, suspicious person, without articulating any facts that establish actual reason for suspicion. And they did this to justify 1,500 stops. And of those 1,500 stops, 85% were black people. All right, there they conducted thousands of more stops on black people, yet, uh, again, like other cities, the, the contraband finding rates between black and white people are virtually the same. And lastly, that these racial disparities characterized every one of the NPD's policing precincts and sectors, regardless of the racial makeup of those areas. So it seems that it's not just a few bad apples or whatever. I mean, this is the entire police department. Now, I want to just look at, at one last study before I close this long rant that I don't know why you're still listening to. Um, so the Stanford Open Policing Project analyzed 100 million traffic stops in eight states. The states are Connecticut, Illinois, North Carolina, Rhode Island, South Carolina, Texas, Washington, Wisconsin. And they found that racial discrimination in police traffic stops does exist. And it cannot be attributed to blacks commit more crime or the more or higher crime areas or, or any, any justification. Their findings indicated that police officers do not find more contraband on black or Hispanic drivers and white drivers. And in some cases, there are areas where white drivers have higher rates of contraband than black drivers. Yet black drivers are stopped more. And the study concludes with the finding that police officers acquire lower suspicion to stop a black or Hispanic driver, which more than indicates discrimination. So to close, I want to say two things. First, I want to I want to address that the the any argument that come, that will be made by someone on the right or one of these right wing commentators, and that maybe you know you have to look at the reality and that look. You still need to police these areas. That's where it is now. This is going to happen. And I want to say that no, it doesn't have to happen. Because even if you want to say, like, more police in a high crime area, you're going, to, um, you're going to have more instances of police force. I want to say no. Police presence does not have to equal police force. That is a problem with, poli with the police. Okay, police presence does, does not have to mean racial discrimination. That's a problem with the police. The prime example of this is, is Camden, New Jersey, which has become kind of a poster child of America recently. It increases police force, changed its training, its culture, all that. And it's far from perfect. And it took a lot of community activists to work with the police department to fix it. They didn't do it on their own, but they changed the way they did things. And they have now had uh, a 95% decrease in use of force since 2014. So police presence doesn't have to equal racial discrimination and use of force. So no justification can explain that or can, can, can deny that. So let's go back to the beginning now, things I want to close things up. And when I spoke about the, the flaws of the new rights argument regarding racist policing, that the number of black people killed is not the thing that makes policing in America racist, just as lynching was not the thing that made Jim Crow America racist. Lynching existed in the context of racist Jim Crow America. So when a black person is killed, it exists in the context of a policing system that, as I've discriminated, as I've established, discriminates against black people everywhere. And this is where the outrage comes from. This is why this feeling that black people are being killed it comes from the fact that one, they're more likely to be shot fatally, and two, that it's the culmination of daily abuses of force 
based on race by police officers everywhere. And again, I want to now focus lastly on this everywhere. So the states in, I've looked at today, Kentucky, Connecticut, Illinois, North Carolina, Rhode Island, South Carolina, Texas, Washington, Wisconsin, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, Missouri, and two more states, uh, Friar's study, when he looked looking for use of force, he also used data from Florida and California. Um, so that's 14 states. We've now seen unexplicable racial discrimination in 14 states. We're talking from New East Coast to West Coast, North, South, the West, the Midwest, every part of America, every sector of America seems to have this problem of police discrimination, of racist discrimination. And it likely exists in more places. As I mentioned before, the data doesn't exist in most places. So if the institution of policing everywhere, no matter where you go, seems to have some kind of inherent racial or racist discrimination, how is that not systemic racism or institutional racism? The institution of policing has a racism problem. It's everywhere. The data shows that it is everywhere. The reports show that it is everywhere and that our resisting arrest and the crime rates and hundreds of other things Fryer found that the studies which, which criticized him didn't deny those factors uh, existed. They just said that the, the discrimination even based on those is even higher even when you take those into consideration. That it, I, I don't understand when, when when Ben Shapiro or Larry Elder or Dave Rubin or Charlie Kirk or Sam Harris said only 14 black people were killed in 2019 what about everything else I've just mentioned here? What about all of that? How can they just deny it or ignore they're not, they're not even denying it, they're ignoring it. How do they just ignore that? Because there is a plethora of data which highlights systemic racism in our policing. It is everywhere. I again, like what what other definition of systemic or institutional racism is there when it seems to be ingrained in the system? A few bad apples does not explain how it seems police departments in every sector of the country have this problem. No matter where you go, it's there. Um, and what to do about it is a whole other topic. But I just want to highlight, and what I think I have highlighted, is this, this flaw in their logic. And that I don't know why they deny this. I don't, I, I don't know what they gain from denying all this exists and denying all this data and all, this, all these studies. I don't. Um, what to do about it? Obviously, things have to change. I, I, maybe they deny it because changing things means government intervention, and it means you know saying that racism does exist, and that means that they they have been wrong. So they they can't say that they are wrong. I honestly don't know, um, but things have to change, and they're wrong. I mean, they have they've ignored tons of data, and the data they have used has been retracted, or it's been one they they misuse the data. They 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 cherry pick from the data or cite the data, but then make arguments that the data themselves itself contradicts. I mean, it's, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm, I'm ranting. So yeah, that's, that's the show. Um, they're wrong on this issue. At least we'll go into more issues, but they're wrong. I mean, they're, they're, they are wrong when it comes to the data. They misuse the data, their data, their use of data is wrong. So with that, I think I'm going to end it because otherwise I'm just going to keep on going on and on. If you listened, again, I'm sorry the show took this long. I probably won't take this long in the future. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, please follow, subscribe to the show if you want to hear more. I hope to do this weekly. Also, Twitter and Facebook, like and follow us there. 
yeah, updates and stuff. Maybe I'll, you know, tweet stuff. I haven't done that before. Yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, bye, I guess. Thank <music> you.